are listening to True Crime Fiction, feeding your addiction to the best of the written and the spoken word in crime. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so for as little as £1 at patreon.com slash truecrimefiction. Once upon a time, there was a young girl from Cuba who emigrated to the United States. She studied art at a college under a great teacher, moved to New York, married a well-respected artist, died and became a success. The idea that artists have to die before they can become successful was mainly popularised by Vincent van Gogh, who sold only one painting before his death to his brother Theo, an art dealer. However, it does not have to be the case. Anna Mendieta star was beginning to rise before she died. Much of Anna's work, which ranged from sculpture to film to performance art, centred on the body, especially the female body. Her work uncovering people's attitudes to crime and how it affects us would be extremely popular today. She was inspired by the rape and murder of a fellow student on campus when she was studying at Iowa University. The female body, its silhouette, the violence that can be done to it, and how it relates to nature thrums through her work. It is work that, 50 years on, is still relevant, energetic, and focused on core themes of women's exploration of themselves and art. Is it a coincidence that Anna's death is in some way an extension of her art. On the 8th of September 1985, she fell from her 34th floor apartment, which she shared with her husband of eight months, Carl Andre. She hit the roof of a deli below and died. The controversy around her death arrives because of the age-old question, did she jump or was she pushed? Andre, when phoning the emergency services, said that Anna had jumped because they were having an argument about who was more exposed to the public. This does feel like an unusual reason to attempt suicide. His story about Anna's death then changes. He immediately follows her into the bedroom and she jumped. He was in another room when she jumped and only noticed later. This, however, is not all that doesn't add up. Anna was notoriously afraid of heights, so friends claim it's unlikely she would climb out onto a balcony so high up. Earlier that evening, she'd been having a phone conversation in the bedroom with Andre in the adjoining living room with a friend about how she was gathering evidence of his cheating and was planning a divorce. A neighbour heard her scream, no. The next day, Andre had scratches on his face. Her death and people's reaction to it split the New York art world. Andre was an already established artist when he and Anna married. He is a sculptor and a pioneer of the minimalist movement. His work answers the question, what is sculpture's relationship to the floor? 
As much as I enjoy art, it has to be admitted that this was an important question only within the art world, and no one outside of the art world was losing any sleep over it, let alone building a whole career. When comparing Andre's work to Anna's online, which isn't always the best way to experience art that's meant to be seen in three dimensions, there is a coldness about it, bloodless, a flatness and rigidity. When comparing it to Anna's work, which is juicy and life-affirming, unashamedly embracing a range of emotions, looking at the difference in their tone and style and message, it is easy to see why a match between these two personalities was probably always going to be rocky. Andre was tried in 1988 and elected to have a judge-only trial with no jury and was acquitted of all charges. The split the death of Anna caused in the art world came at a time when feminism was beginning to emerge as a creative movement. Of course, women had always been creating art in various forms, but often their art had been overlooked, or the way in which they created art, especially if it involved textiles, was dismissed. For the newly emerging movement of young women who were beginning to find a voice, Anna's death was a shock. If someone who had been so outspoken and pioneering could succumb to domestic violence and their husband could, in their minds, get away with it, then they felt that no one was safe. And they intensified their voices when it came to Andre continuing to exhibit, often staging protests outside of exhibitions. On the other side, there were Andre's supporters, those who did not believe that he had killed his wife and saw his acquittal as an exoneration as opposed to a symptom of structural problems in dealing with domestic violence and the murder of women by intimate partners. They soon started to put around the idea that there was a feminist cabal out to get Andre. This is a well-worn trope of patriarchy, that women are somehow banding together to bring down innocent men. It's an offshoot of the now much more popular witch hunt. The term witch hunt refers back to historical moral panics that can be found in many societies, where women were persecuted for supposed black magic practice or consorting with devil. As a term to mean political persecution, it was coined by George Orwell and used widely in America when Senator Joe McCarthy became obsessive about rooting out communists and those with the socialist bent from positions of power or influence in American society. A period of political upheaval and paranoia, which was captured in Arthur Miller's 1953 play The Crucible, which coming delightfully full circle was set in Salem, Massachusetts, during a moral panic centred around witchcraft, which is a thinly veiled way to settle old scores and enmities in the Puritan colony. It has been said before, but it bears repeating that a witch hunt is not the same as women making a complaint about a man's behaviour and asking that he be called to account and change. In recent years, the term has changed, meaning it has become less a way of identifying persecution and more a patriarchal dog whistle. It also serves to admonish women from supporting each other or backing each other up, knowing that when women unite, they become more powerful. In fact, any time a group of oppressed people unite, they become much more powerful and 
even more so if groups of differently oppressed people unite. It's why those in power who have so much to lose do not like it when people organise. If anyone does not want you to organise, then it's worth questioning their motives. The fabled witch hunt, or as it was called in the New York art world, feminist cabal, is a tacit admonishment from apologists for sexism, sexual violence and domestic murder towards women for organising, meant to shame them into isolation and keeping quiet. Although even in groups, it can still be difficult for women to get the accountability and change they desire if the man is powerful or protected enough. In keeping women who have dealt with poor, problematic or criminal behaviour from a man apart, it becomes easier to blame the victim. It was to do with what she was wearing. She'd had a drink. She said she liked sex, which, while these have never been part of consent, have been the go-to for people who are confused by it. And for anybody who wants, I've added the consent and tea video at the bottom of the text for a little explainer. Given, however, that most people who abuse others are extremely careful to only do so when there are no witnesses, it is often only by demonstrating a pattern of behaviour that those who have been abused can find any recourse. The so-called feminist cabal of the New York art scene wished to keep Anna's memory and her work alive, rather than her becoming a footnote in Carl Andre's biography. Similar happened in the UK when poet Sylvia Plath died, although to be clear there is no suspicion that her husband, Ted Hughes, a former poet laureate, was the instigator of her death. Some do blame his infidelity for Plath's perilously fragile mental state. Fans of Plath's work reacted angrily when Hughes edited it, or in some cases burnt it, and her grave in Hettonstall was defaced repeatedly because it carried her married name, Hughes. Anna's work is having something of a resurgence. However, to listen to the host of Death of an Artist, Helen Molesworth, herself a curator and figure in the art world, it is difficult to access art world success as a woman or a person of colour. As others have previously done in podcasts such as Thunder Bay, Molesworth uses the popularity of the true crime format to spread the conversation about diversity further. It may appear strange to outsiders who are used to seeing artists and creative people as the rebels, the renegades who like to cock a snook at the establishment. So often it is those who pay the piper, though, who get to call the tune, and the paymasters are still enthralled to the values of other centuries. In resurrecting Anna and using a new format to spread her story outside of a world that is closed off to so many of us, Molesworth essentially is able to give her work a different life and give those who still struggle for acceptance because of their identity rather than a lack of talent a figure to coalesce around. Anna's death took the possibility of any new work and her maturation as a vital force in the art world away, not just from the art world, but from the public itself. It is so often difficult to find the means or words to express ourselves, but artwork, dance, music are all ways where we can find a kinship 
a recognition with others that have experienced the same thing and maybe also find it difficult to articulate. Anna was articulating for all women and the fact that was cut short is a tragedy. So it feels like this podcast, which has so much potential to catalyze a new generation of Mendieta fans who can feel a connection with what it is Mendieta is saying to us more than anything, is a fitting memorial to a woman who never wanted to do anything quietly. You have been listening to True Crime Fiction, the podcast that is feeding your addiction to all things crime. You can find our website at true-crime-fiction.com, on Twitter at true underscore crime underscore fic, on Facebook and Instagram as True Crime Fiction. Please rate and review on the podcast app of your choice. Music is by Kitty Kitty Meow Meow.